so good to worship the Lord together. If you have a copy of God's Word, go ahead and open it to Matthew chapter 25. We're going to begin in verse 14 this morning. Sean and Carly, thank you so much. I'm so thankful that the Lord saw fit to unite our hearts together, that this is your church home. And I look forward to seeing how that relationship is going to get furthered. And isn't it wonderful just to hear of those who God is bringing to us, who have such an incredible commitment to the gospel. We're going to, in about a month, have Kathy Daniel come back stateside. She'll be with us for about nine months. It'll be so wonderful to have that mission partner with us too. We're just so blessed for those who God is allowing us to partner with, with a shared heart to see people come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord, and just be faithful to share the gospel. And it's just a great day for us come together and to worship him this morning. Well, I'm so grateful that we're going to look at the parable of the talents today. One of the most commonly understood and known parables that you'll find in all of Jesus' teaching. We're going to look at this today. And I'm so glad that we are. And whenever I think of this parable, it might surprise you the way that we ought to focus on it. It might be different than maybe you've ever read it or thought about it on your own because when you look at this parable, it really is a story about joy. When I was a college student, about the same age as those who Sean and Carly are discipling right now, I remember for the first time really falling in love with the writings of C.S. Lewis. His writings were so rich for me, and they opened up the glory of Jesus in ways that I had never really contemplated or thought about before encountering his writings. And in his treatment of the weightiness of the glory of God, C.S. Lewis said something that I will always remember and will always be struck by because it's forever impacted the way I think about my relationship with the Lord. He said of the pursuits that we have in life, it would seem that our desires are not too strong but the Lord finds them too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. When I heard that for the first time, it just absolutely captivated my heart. And this morning, I want us to look at a parable that I think will help us come to this understanding of how to live in the joy that we can only find in right relationship with Jesus. Whenever you encounter a parable in your Bible, please know that there's only one central truth that every parable is meant to convey and to teach us. And also, when you're looking and trying to understand the parable on your own, know that Jesus taught us in parables for a reason. In fact, he explains it to his disciples in Mark chapter 4 when they asked him after the parable of the soils, why is it that you tell us all of these parables and tell us all of these stories? And Jesus made it abundantly clear that the reason I tell them is so that you can understand the secrets of the kingdom. This morning is a very important lesson in us understanding the secrets of the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 25, this incredible chapter that has already given us the parable of the ten virgins, continues to open up for us the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. As we look at this parable of the talents, that's really what this is all about. 
But if there's one way that I could help you understand the secrets of the kingdom, it's this. That the only place in life that you will find joy, the joy that your creator wants you to live within, is for you to find that joy in your relationship with Jesus. You can pursue it in other places. You can think you can find it in other things. You might find some sort of temporary form of happiness, but at the end of the day, the ultimate joy that our souls are only satisfied in when we find it is only found in relationship with our Creator. God made us His creation and only fit us to be in right relationship with our Creator. And when we are in that relationship, that is the ultimate secret of the kingdom, to know how we are to relate to the God who made us. And when we find our place in that ever-growing, deepening relationship with Christ, that is where we will find joy. So as we unpack this particular parable, just know that what we're finding here is the way for us to experience and live within that joy. And connected to that joy is a firm belief in the imminency of the return of Jesus. The parousia and our understanding of the second return of Christ is a part of what we must understand and comprehend if we're going to walk in the joy of being right with Jesus and understand how all that fits together. So let's read about it together. In chapter 25, beginning in verse 14, and know that this whole parable is about the return of Jesus and how we are to live anticipating his return. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability, and then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more, but he who had received the one talent, he went and he dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time the master of the servants came and settled accounts with them. That's the return of Jesus. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you've delivered to me two talents? Here, I made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you do not sow and gathering where... You scattered no seeds, so I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. So here, have what's yours. And his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received that what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has, more will be given, and he who has an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast that worthless servant into the outer darkness. In, the place, in that place there will be weeping 
and gnashing of teeth. Church, I know it ends with a heavy mark, doesn't it? But don't miss the joy in this text. We're going to talk honestly about the warning. You can't get away from this text and preach it faithfully without dealing with the hard truth that there are some who will be found cast away from their master. But I don't want you to miss the joy in this text. Here's the central teaching that I want us to walk away with as we consider this parable. When we serve Christ out of our love for him, we greatly anticipate Jesus' return. We don't dread it. We look forward to it. So as we open up this parable, I want us to look at it in two basic parts. And the first thing we're going to see is the trust. Have you noticed the intentional way that Jesus sets up this story? In verse 14, he says, for it will be like, and it's a clear reference to the kingdom of heaven that's already referenced in chapter 25, verse 1, the kingdom of heaven. And here's just another continuation, another parable that teaches us about the kingdom of heaven. And it says, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man who obviously is Jesus, who goes on a long journey. But before he goes on this journey, he calls his servants together, and he entrusts his servants all of this property. You see the allotments he gives to the first five talents and the second two and the third one. And it makes it clear in verse 15, the reason why they get five or two or one has to do with the ability that each of the servants possess. So he gives them all these talents. Now, if you look at this at first blush, you might think, well, man, it must stink to only get one when you just saw your buddy get five. But I want you to understand, if that's where you land, you're missing the whole point of the whole understanding of the allotment of talents a talent is no small thing a talent is a huge allotment of money in fact an, a, a talent according to the new testament is the equivalent of six thousand denarii each single denarius is the what a honest man would earn given a full day's wage so when we're talking about an allotment of one talent six thousand denarii most commentators I read help us understand it. That is about 20 years worth of wages put together in one allotment, and that's what one talent is worth. We're talking the equivalent of today's, of today's currency of about $300,000 per talent. So when the first guy gets five talents, the master has entrusted him with a large sum of money. In our today's understanding, you think of it, about $2 million dollars. The next guy gets $2 million. That's about $700,000-plus. That's a lot of resources, right? And the one that only gets the one, it might only be one, but I don't know about you, but if somebody came and wrote me a $300,000 check, it'd get my attention, wouldn't it, you? And so these are not small increments of money. This is a very wealthy, resourceful master who has given his talents and entrusted those talents to these three different, these three different servants. And so as he does so, know that even one talent is a significant trust. The first is given um, the five, and what happens? Well, he takes that five, and we know he turns it into ten. The guy with two turns it into four. But the guy with one, I guess he's kind of throwing a pity party for some reason, or he has found himself to be fearful that he might not be able to produce what the others have done. So he takes that talent and does what was common back then. He finds a place with no one around and digs a hole and he puts that talent in that hole. It's his way of assuring that when the master comes back, he can go and retrieve the talent 
and it's going to be there for them. Now, when I look at this story and how it all sets up, even the guy who does what obviously isn't the thing to do with the talent, there's a part of his story he still gets right. Do you know what it is? Though he has one talent, he doesn't spend it on himself. He will not dare do such a thing because he knows that talent is not his. It's the master. And the one with two, the one with five, they use the entire allotment that the master has given them and readies it and multiplies it and makes it fruitful, does the hard work to take the five and turn it to ten or the two to four and gives every bit of what they have brought, they give it all back to the master. And why is that? And here's the central thing about the trust that God has given you that will help open up the kingdom for you. Joy is found, listen church, when we understand that all of the talents that God has given you are all his, every bit of it. We talk about tithing sometimes, but I want to tell you, I want you to understand, everything that God has given you, your finances, your time, your abilities, whether they're natural or spiritual giftedness, everything that you have is a gift from the Father above. In every part, every resource, every ounce of energy you're given as a servant of the master in this story, every single bit of it is meant to be used in service of the master. And when we accept that, that is where we find joy. When we think that we hold on to that which we have in any sort of way, we miss out on the joy that only comes in being a good steward of the fullness of what God has given us. And when it talks about talent, you're looking at that, and it's easy for us to misunderstand that, but when you say, what is a talent? Well, the English word talent comes from this parable, and it's the full sum total of not just the resources and time you've been given, but the particular abilities you've been given. Everything you have, the full sum total of what you are and what you're able to do, every single bit of it is meant to be used for the glory of Jesus and the furthering of the kingdom. And if you will accept that and not think you own any of this, then that is where you will find joy. So when we're talking about joy in this way, I just want you to think about it in the fullness of what God's given it to us here. There are so many different expressions of talent that we have that we see people all around us with. Some people around us have the, the mental talent. They just have an incredibly sharp mind. And when they think about how to use that mind for the glory of God, they use it in teaching within the church. They might be a theologian. They use it to defend the church against some who want to tear it down and give strong, reasonable responses for the faith that we hold. Some people just have that as a mental ability. Other people have artistic talents. Ar architects have this. Decorators have this. They're able to create things that are beautiful, that give a reflection of the beauty of their Savior. Some people have people talents. There's just something about them that's just a magnet. Wherever they go, there's a lot of people that tend to follow and gather and come around. They just have an ability to naturally connect with other people and bring people together. Some people have that ability. Others have organizational skills. They walk into a room and they've got to make sure everything has a place. It's just their skill to look at a room and a situation that might be in disorder and know exactly how to bring order to it. And some people have other kinds of practical skills. Aren't you thankful that we have incredible musicians up here? 
that every time Ryan Showalter gets to that piano or Terry Gray gets to that piano, they or Ethan, aren't you amazed at how they make that piano just preach the gospel every time they do? And how our musicians give us such a blessing in using their talents. Some people are woodworkers. Some people are painters. Some people are mechanics. Whatever it is, the full sum total can be used for the glory of God. And we're called to be good stewards of these talents. So the real question is, now that you understand that everybody in here has talents, are you using your talents selfishly? Or are you using them to build up the kingdom? I'm so grateful for those who use their talents in a God-given way. Jenny Lee, you didn't know I was going to embarrass you, but I'm about to. You are so immensely gifted with an incredible ability to share the truth that's in your heart with just beautiful poetry. The way you can communicate is a blessing to so many people. It's an immense talent, and I'm so thankful that you use that for the glory of God. I think about those behind you. you got Dean Harrison sitting right behind you. An incredible ability to use building things and architect. That he's able just to look at something and know how to fix it. I'm so grateful for the Dean Harrisons and the Joe Dennys and others who have their handprints all over our church and giving themselves so fully so that our building can be updated and can be such a useful tool for the ministry of the gospel. We just talked about Kathy Hatcher, and I didn't mean to embarrass her, but Kathy has that ability with people. She just knows how to bring everybody together just like she did out on our field under the tent, honoring the memory of so many that were in Smyrna Elementary and Smyrna High School, bringing us all together, and she used that resource, her giftedness, her talent in such a profound way even this past weekend. I think about those like Jake Redman. He wasn't on the drums today, but I love Jake Redman. And I love him for a lot of reasons. One thing, he's got a wrecker, and it's amazing what he can do with that wrecker. Our men didn't know what to do with this massive tree that weighed probably 15 tons, and I don't know how much it weighed, but we put it on a trailer. It broke the trailer. Jake showed up with his big old wrecker, and we were able to do something with it and get it off our property. But not only does Jake just know how to do things with that, do you know that many months ago, Lord laid it on Jake's heart just to learn how to play the drums to help our church, and he started working with Ryan Showalter. They practice almost weekly so he can get up here and bless our church with what he does on the drums as he is learning as he goes. It's incredible to see what the Lord does. There are so many different rich ways God has endowed our church with so many different talents, and you have talents. Whether you have five or two or one, according to your ability to use for the glory of God, are you using it to further his kingdom? That's where you find joy. So there is a trust that God's given us of all of these talents to use, an allotment of time to use it. But can I tell you from this text we learn there will come a day that the master returns. Verse 19, after the journey of a long time, after being gone much longer than anyone would have anticipated, which is another reference to the coming of Jesus. Remember how the virgins waited all night just last week? Remember how so many are waiting for the return of Jesus? Jesus tells them it'll be much longer. Don't even try to guess when. Just be ready when I come. Well, the master does return in this text. It says in verse 19, after a long time, he comes back and he settles his accounts with these men these different 
those who have these talents. Can I tell you, along with the trust comes the next part of this story, and it's the reckoning. But for whatever the reason, whenever we talk about the reckoning, preachers get their Bible and they start to beat people over the head with it to guilt you into using your talents in a way that you ought to use it. So that one day you can stand before the Lord terrified along the way to finally hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. I've heard so many sermons about the parable of the talents that makes you feel that way. There is a warning in this text. The reckoning comes, but don't miss the joy. When the master returns, I just want you to read it the way that Jesus delivered it to these disciples when he first gave the parable. It wasn't a fear of the master's return. It was an excitement that his journey had ended. When I read this text, I think about the ways that I'm so blessed when I go on a long mission trip that when my girls go to the airport to pick me up, I don't know why they're excited to see me, but they are. But we know fully why the master, when he returns, why the servants are excited to see this master. When you have a good master, a perfect master, you want to be around him. And when Jesus returns, the servants are excited. There's a joy in their heart. Their eyes are lit with excitement and anticipation. The master has been gone so long. Finally, we get to see him again. And look at what happens. The first servant who had five talents, he says, Master, in verse 20, you delivered me five talents. Here I am, and I have five more. He's so excited to show the master what he had done with the time and the trust that he had given him. And the master responds and says to him, well done. He commends him. He affirms him. Don't you long to hear those words one day? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Don't you long to hear that from Jesus? But not just the affirmation, well done, my good and faithful servant. For all of eternity, there's responsibility that's been given. You've been faithful in little. I'm going to give you even more. So there's affirmation, well done, I'm proud of you. There's responsibility, I'm going to trust you with even more for all of eternity. And then there's the promise of eternal joy. Enter into the joy of your master. What a picture of union with Christ. That when we're in his presence, we enter into his joy. Well, the second one comes, do you see it? The one with five, he's affirmed in all these ways. The second one comes forward, and he says basically the same thing. Master, you gave me two talents here, verse 22. I've given you two more. There it is again. The excitement in his eyes. There's the master. I get to see him. And look at what happens. The master says, well done to you too. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of the master. The reckoning isn't something that we need to fear. If we're faithful to the Lord while we're given life and energy, boy, it's something we look forward to. But there is a reckoning. And if you're here today, and you know that the talents that you have are not being used for the glory of God, there's something in you that made you even want to get up and walk out the door before I even got to the last part, because you knew this is where it's going to hurt. But I love you enough to tell you the fullness of the story. 
Because the one with one talent who decided to go bury it, when the master came, he wasn't excited to see him. But he came with a lot of excuses. The one with the one came forward and said, Master, I knew you were a hard man. I want you to know, this is a servant talking to Jesus who has no clue of the depth of who it is that they're talking to. How can you look at the perfection of Jesus, the one who comes to us, who meters out perfect judgment on this earth, and say that he's hard and unfair? Master, I knew you were a hard man. And the accusations to try to cover his own tail, they only get worse. You reap what you don't sow and gather what you have not scattered. What does that mean? Basically, the guy is so filled with excuses and will not face his own shortcoming of what he's done. He's basically saying, not only are you an unfair God, but you don't have a clue what it's like to live here. You're a disconnected God. That might be true of false belief systems like deists who think that there is no personal God that interacts with humanity. It might even be true of others who believe, as, as some world religions, that there is no intermediary. God is here and we are here. And there's no distance between. And your only hope is that you can be right with him even though you have no clue if you truly are until you, your life ends. But when you come to this text... The accusation of this unfaithful steward is not only that is God not fair, but that he's disconnected and doesn't really understand who we are. And I would tell you that if you're in the position of the third, this reveals that you don't even begin to understand the fullness of what Jesus has done for you in the gospel. The master is Christ. The master is the one who stepped out of heaven and took the form of a human servant and he humbled himself, it says in Philippians 2, and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. The master is the one who took the fullness of the judgment against sin on his shoulders and wave upon wave of the wrath of God was poured into the sun as he hung suspended between heaven and earth for all of those years, bearing the full weight of the sin of the world and the judgment that came because of it. How can you look at Jesus and even think it okay to say, you've never done the work that you need to do to be connected with us? You see how insulting the accusation is of the third steward hoping that in through the insult he'll somehow find some reason to be excused for what he's done. If you're living your life in an unfruitful way, not ready for the return of Jesus, this shows me that you don't understand the gospel how can you fully understand the death of Jesus and his resurrection and live your life in a way that's not fully committed to giving all of who you are to him? Do you know what God has done for us? Every ounce of who God is, the giving of his own son, has been given to us as a free gift of salvation. Of course it only makes sense that we would surrender all of who we are and give it to him. That's the only response to a holy God who's done so much for us. If you live your life in a way that's unproductive, 
unfruitful for the kingdom, you don't get the gospel. And by the end of the parable, what is reserved for you is separation from God forever and ever in a place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. There is a reckoning. If we're living faithful for the Lord, it is a joy-filled day. The fullness of being right with our Creator is what we have to look forward to forever and ever. But for those who live in a way that's laden with excuses and unfruitfulness and not being faithful to Him, not using your talents in a way that pleases and glorifies Him, the end of the story is super sad. So where do you fall? I love telling the story of a dear church member that is in heaven now, Jerry Pepitone, who I love so much. I don't remember if I've used this text in any other funerals, but I do know I used it at hers. She lived to be 98 years old, a glorious life for the Lord. And I always remember using this text. And you know what I said of her after I talked about her incredibly fruitful life sharing the gospel through disaster relief and then sharing the gospel through Georgia Baptist mission work and sharing the gospel through when Noonday Baptist Association, when she died, everybody called me because they knew that Jerry was no longer alive. It was just so sweet. She was our librarian up until she was 97. Now, the space that is my office used to be where Jerry used to sit. I'm so grateful for her. And when she died, I remember standing at this pulpit and saying, what I love about Jerry Pepitone is she was an 11-talent kind of gal. She not only had the five, but she turned it into five more, and then when the one didn't use what he did, remember the end of the story? The master takes the one and gives her the one that had five. That's what made her an 11-talent kind of gal. And that's Jerry. Can I tell you, church, I have the privilege to pastor a whole lot of 11-talent kind of people here at First Baptist Smyrna. And I'm so grateful that we are an 11-talent kind of church. Really, when it comes to how we're using our gifts and tools as a church, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is sharing the glory of God through every gospel opportunity to tell a lost and a dying world that Jesus is the way of salvation and that the joy of which the world cannot even compare can only be found in right relationship with Him. That's the secret. And we are an 11-talent kind of church living in a community that so deeply needs the gospel. I'm so privileged to be the pastor of such a great church. So let's get after it. Let's understand this parable is meant to just motivate us and spring us out of the pew every week. To know that God has entrusted us with this incredible privilege and joy of sharing the gospel with a community that so deeply needs 
Christ. And we are filled with so many talents and abilities. I've already just shared with you so many. I could just continue down the list of so many others who have mental abilities and, and creative abilities and musical abilities and people abilities and the ability to swing a hammer and make something beautiful, to make things work together. We have so many strengths and so many abilities here. But listen, all that we have has to be fully commissioned to use for the Lord. Are we using it to the fullness of what God has given us? That's the whole point of the parable. That when we understand who Jesus is, out of love for him, we want to serve him and we look forward to his return. That's where you'll find joy. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. And I'm so glad that we get to end with invitation. Listen. There are so many talents and abilities and skills here in our church. What are you doing with what God has entrusted to you? Are you using it for the fullness of who he is? We have so many opportunities here. I'm looking forward in the weeks to come as we're rolling into a new ministry plan, coming out of this weird pandemic, looking forward to the fall. But this message is to ready us for all of that. Just be honest before the Lord. Are you one of the five or the two? Are you thankful that you could be in the category of the one so that you've still got the time to repent and live for his glory? Father, use this sermon as only you can. In Jesus' name we pray.